0: It's the Muppod Show with our very special guest, us. That's right, guys. We're talking about Muppets Now, Episode 2. Ben, I want to get your initial thoughts on this episode. What did you think?
1: Episode 2, Season 1, Muppets Now, Fever Pitch. Um, I think I liked it more than the first one, to be completely honest. Really? I think so. Uh, You know... Huh. Yeah, no, I did. I'm going to say it. I did. I liked it more than the first one. Okay. All right. Um that's
0: interesting. I my initial thoughts going away were I am I'm, I'm the segments themselves I should have liked more, but I I ended up not liking this
1: episode as much as the first one. It felt more polished. You know, I I get so I guess after two episodes, which is 30% of the season, you know, I guess the the sort of idea behind every episode is that Scooter is about to upload it, but somebody is going to try to come in and sort of thwart things. And so prior to episode one, or like during episode one, while he was uploading things, it was sort of Miss Piggy and Kermit providing notes and uh, retractions and changes. And now in this episode, it was really like Fozzie driven, where Fozzie kept coming through and, and pitching ideas for items to be in Muppets now as... Scooter was uploading the the segment so I guess that's sort of the format is we're just going to watch Scooter from his computer upload the segments as we're watching them I guess which Which I will say I will say uh, just as a note he drags and drops those files and they upload immediately Scooter's internet is impeccable
0: it really is it's awesome isn't it
1: um, I was
0: I was happy to see Fozzie this time. Uh, I know we were talking about last episode, hoping he would pop up. So I thought this was a good format for him. Um, I wasn't crazy about all the interludes. I thought his sort of like show ideas kind of ran stale up until the last one. I thought the last little batch were really good, where he sends like the hundred of them at once. Yeah, it, it's 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 cool to see Fozzie at all. Uh, I really wish he still had his own segment. Like, I like I can I can see that being a running joke where he's like constantly pitching these segments and never gets one. But I would like to see a Fozzie segment. I don't know if it's like him sitting down with comedians. You know, like we talked about last episode with like the podcast if, a format of him may, uh, sitting down with comedians. I think something like that would be cool.
1: I mean, he might get an episode of mup close and personal. We don't know.
0: We don't know. That's true. That's right. We are not to the end of the season yet. I liked this segment for him, though. I liked the kind of the format. Of, I, I liked, I'm i sorry. I should say I liked the interaction with him and Scooter. It was just different. I feel like it was a little bit di- of a different thing with him. With Scooter, I guess, he, what I'm trying to say is he seems so much more tired of everyone than, like, say, Kermit does. Where Kermit and Fozzie, there's a little bit more of a friendship there. And I think there's a little bit more of a toleration of jokes that Kermit has. But Scooter is just overtly tired of it it feels like he's so sick of fozzy fozzy's jokes fozzy's ideas uh with all the muppets but i mean in this episode just fozzy but it it was i just like the chemistry between the two
1: yeah he's Scooter's been in quarantine he appears to be putting this together alone at least on the back end so and he had to be involved in one of the sketches today as well so he's not only on-screen talent but he appears to be the only producer of this show uh, and now he has to deal with post-production notes from Fozzie Bear and, uh, and the rest of the cast. So I get it. My man needs a break. He needs a vacation. Oh, he absolutely does. Yeah. Uh, speaking
0: of that, uh, involvement of a segment, let's get into that. It's, uh, Pepe's, Pepe's
1: segment, which was, uh, what was the name of the game show? Pepe's unbelievable game show, which, uh, okay. I mean, look, Pepe the King Prawn. He's a lot of things, a great game show host, probably not one of those things. This game show was a mess and it was completely made up, which is kind of why I liked it so much. Um, yeah. Like my I man, love the chaos had, of the whole thing. Yeah. yeah he like Scooter, it, it, like he, he, he kept trying to drive it. You know, he, he kept trying to tell Pepe, like, we have these things that have been approved by legal. These have been approved for production. These segments are good. And Pepe was just, he was going with the flow. The first segment right no, out the game was a that. staring contest. He's no Chuck Woolery, no Bob Barker. But I, I kind of liked it that just, again, it was just chaos. You know, he had uh, the the contestants were Bree and Artoon, uh, who he kept calling cartoons. And yeah. Bree won the staring contest and she was awarded a number of points. And then Artoon was awarded triple that amount of points to which yeah. Scooter, you know, Scooter wasn't here for it. Uh, and then he just Pepe just started handing out points five hundred points to Artoon's, seventeen hundred points to Bree it was chaos uh and and I'm here for it I are those people famous or are they just random people? they're probably no i I can't say I've ever heard of Artoon or uh, or Bree so I'm sure they were just extras
0: yeah okay now I really like the segment. I love the chaos of it. Pepe was i I know you say he's no like Chuck Woolery or anything like that, but I think Pepe. His the improv of Pepe in that moment was great. Um, I loved the little like the yeah you know, the slap together like staring contest. I love just his energy, the energy of like you have no idea what's about to come out of his mouth, but he's gonna say it with the most confident, and that's what we're doing in that moment when he's like staring contest go. You know. Oh yeah. It was it was it was commanding. It was awesome. It was so funny. He totally steamrolled over Scooter the whole time. Uh, which was great, and we got an appearance from uh, Gonzo later on in the episode, uh, in the segment, which was cool. Uh, and Gonzo and the chickens. We see Camilla and Priscilla. You know, it was uh, it was very cool to see in the bonus round them you know pop up and then their interaction with Artoon, who I, I-, I think those I think both of those uh, extras, if they were extras, I mean, but they were both really good. I thought they were both great. I th- both, I think they both handled it well for being like... An, this is... Okay, I'll say this. This was the most unscripted
1: feeling f- segment I've f- seen so far. Yeah. Um, I would say I, I think that's. I think that was a real staring contest. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think I think
0: it was absolutely just like off the cuff, and then I think the extras both handled it really well. Um, I think the inclusion of the penguin referee was amazing. I thought it was so funny when they're sitting there staring at each other, and the penguins like like getting like right in their faces. Oh like, yeah, like the, the penguin referee. Yeah, it was. It, he was excellent. I really, really liked the penguin. Um, In fact, that might have been my singular favorite character in the episode was just the Penguin Ref. Just coming out of nowhere, fully committed to it, even though he can't say a word of English, it was great.
1: So I have a quote from Pepe regarding his game show. Okay. Uh, Pepe spoke with ABC30 in uh, Fresno, California, and said, It's unbelievable, Pepe's unbelievable game show. I get to make up the rules. Scooter thinks he's got it all under control. He's like my Ed McMahon, my guy on the side, and he just does what I tell him to, and we have a lot of fun. (laughs) <laughs> and that's what happened. I yeah. don't do a good Pepe accent, so uh, that's I that's won't. What you I get. won't.
0: I won't make you try it. Um, but we also got an appearance from Beauregard too, which I thought was cool. Um, a very very small moment, but I thought Beauregard kind of shined in that. Just kind of just hanging out on set afterwards. He drops the box
1: off and just stands there next to Pepe. Yeah, we've been. He's been cleaning the set uh, this entire time. He's still still there. Uh, we also got an appearance from Hamper. Fun. Oh, yeah. I don't remember Hamper's name. Um, I'm trying to look for it right Carol. now. Carol. Yeah, That's it was correct. Carol, I think. Yeah, they had to throw socks. Yeah, she's a voracious brown monster uh, who debuted on The Muppet Show in Season 2. Um, but yeah, she just had to eat socks. That was a weird segment. I, You know, it was a weird part of the game show. I love <laughs> that. I do... Beauregard when he came in though with the socks to say I collected them uh people were wearing them I think I got all the feet out um that yeah. was one of my favorite quotes of the episode
0: it was really good it was awesome I also loved when they were throwing the uh the socks and stuff and somebody throws a slipper and but Bo- <laughs> like oh you threw a slipper minus 10 points or whatever he said <laughs> "Like he's it a man was, of, he, awesome. he has rules he does I mean they change second to second but they're rules I guess gotta keep up it's fast-paced I guess so, and that's what I loved about it was just the fast-paced, chaoticness of the whole thing. It was, it was a really well-done segment. Um, I thought it was a very strong segment, uh, not one that I would have expected from the show, uh, but it paid off beautifully. Pepe was, uh, all the Muppets in that were excellent, and the extras. It was just a very well-done segment, I guess. I agree. So then we got we go to the uh, next interlude after afterwards, and um, Fozzie pitches some more shows. I didn't catch the uh, the shows that he pitched in in sort of these interludes i uh i don't know i i just they weren't super interesting the only one i remember was uh what was it called it was the one with the the the, the ingredients date each other for a oh uh segment.
1: yeah well i think that was i think it was that breaking bread
0: no it was like the date chiller or something or oh, the bear chiller no uh, maybe i don't know i I remember him like opening the it was a picture of him like with the open fridge and he was talking about it and he said like it's where it's like a cooking show but the ingredients date each other or something i don't know
1: i must have passed i'm blacked out during that episode or during that part of the episode oh yeah does that happen often i'm sorry what'd you say i said does that happen often (laughs) i blacked out sorry
0: oh we should look we should look into that (laughs) But uh, after the uh, interlude, we get the uh, segment two, which is okie-dokie cooking again.
1: hmm. He's it's back. The
0: first time, yep, it's the first time that we see a segment return. I mean, it's only episode two, but it's first time we see a segment return. And uh, yep, our boy Sweetest Chef is here. And uh, one of the most bizarre guests I think you could have had on, I mean, I don't know, Danny Trejo. Uh, he's who, family, you know, family friendly. Family friendly. I mean, now he is. Yeah. I mean, he's doing all kinds. Of, he's, he was in the Spy Kids movies, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but he was an, I, I, apparently he does own restaurants. I didn't know that until watching that episode. Then looking it up, so I mean, I, I guess I, I get it. But he was a very odd person to have on the show. Period. And I, I was going to ask you kind of how you felt about his performance.
1: I liked it. I, I you know I like no offense to Carlina Will from episode one, but uh, I think he I think he did a better job. Look, they were making mole sauce, uh, so. You got to break I mean Danny Trejo's Mexican American. Uh, he's probably, you know, he grew up eating mole, I'm sure out in LA. So, my guy, first off, how old do you think Danny Trejo is? Unless you're cheating. I'm not. I can't see it. Um guess.
0: I would say early 60s?
1: 76. Are you he's serious? 76 years old? He my looks, man. Wow. Great for seven I mean prison hardens you he really does. But that's anyway. Insane. That's an aside. Uh no, I, I I I did enjoy his interaction between him and Beverly Plume. I thought the chef, though, was I you know, obviously it's Okie dokie cooking, but he was the star of the show. Um his his uh cutting of the peppers and then like you know, Beverly Plume's like, oh, watch out. Those things are spicy. And he's like, oh, spicy, they're spicy, And he's just like putting like the peppers on his fingers. And stuff. I thought it was, I, yeah. I, I, and I knew at a certain point, something was going to happen where obviously his, his face was going to turn red because he put the pepper finger in his eye or something like that. Oh, yeah. But, uh, no, I, it, it, it was peak chef, like peak arrogance. Yeah. Right I there. thought he, st- I thought he stole the show, which I mean, he stole his own show, I guess from,
0: I do want to say um, in terms of the performances of Danny Trejo, though, I know you're talking about who's doing a good job. I I personally felt like he started out weak, but then seemed to grow more comfortable as the segment went on. When when it first starts, you see like maybe a a, a line or two towards Beverly and then sort of as it goes, um, he seems to start to get more comfortable talking to them. Um, he does like the the, the stare downs or uh, whatever it was, like step ups to uh, the Swedish mm-hmm. Chef. Like they're about to get into a fight, like for like several He's times. Like, yeah, it's better than and anything. And then by we've the end of it, him in like Sweden. K-. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And um, by the end of it, him cradling like the, the Swedish Chef from like the, the from the from the heat, like giving him milk and stuff. I thought that was great. Oh, was, I, so wholesome. I, I, he really
1: came into his own as the segment went on. It was so wholesome when he uh, he had to get the moo moo the moo moo and then you know he got the milk yeah. gave him the milk and then they just embraced and that was wholesome brought a tear to my
0: eye it was pretty great yeah it, it, he grew on me as the segment went on
1: i wasn't i
0: wasn't at all convinced when when he appeared on screen but it, he definitely changed my mind another
1: little character that i thought was a standout in this was the mole Even i he had very few lines I loved, the mole was I awesome i loved the mole i i i was i'm all in on the mole i need him to show up more he was so cute like he was just getting dressed up in the Tortilla, yeah. and he goes, "Ooh, cozy!" And then he just starts covering him in sour cream. uh I guess the mole <laughs> exactly. is one of those people. How are you with cilantro? Like, have you ever heard like the like cilantro? Either you like it or it tastes like soap. Are you one of those people? Uh, I think I'm in the soap camp. Yeah, and no, I love cilantro, but uh, I guess yeah. Really? But the mole p- clearly was not here for the cilantro. He he he. Uh, <laughs> before he got a a, a whole bouquet of cilantro shoved in his mouth (laughs) he was begging for it it it,
0: the, the by the end of the by the end of the segment the visual of him just like slathered in sour cream with a burrito wrapped around with cilantro in his mouth and he's just like looking at the camera was so funny i died laughing at the mole like everything the mole said was funny too yeah it was super cute but the mole was great. The, the Swedish chef's interaction with the mole was great. Just the chemistry was yeah, awesome. The, it, it
1: really standout character. Of the the making of the tacos was like between the two of them was my favorite because like, you know, Danny Trejo's again, like he's putting together this like wonderful mole chicken taco and he's got these fresh ingredients and the chef's just like sour cream and the cheesy and the queso. And then he, like, I forget what he said for Pico de. He was like, Puk-a-de-guk-a. and he was like putting Pico de Gallo on, on the mole. Yeah. And then he puts the, the hot peppers on it and, and, terror ensues. But I, I think yeah. this was, this was, you're right. This was peak chef. Um, and I'm, I'm glad because I thought he was a little weak in the first one, um, or in episode one, but this was him like stepping up to machete, uh, you know, and, uh, defending his homeland, which is honorable, I suppose. Um, but also like his cooking was good. I, I loved the mole and yeah, him putting the taco together. Uh, and just his his translation uh, of all of the ingredients in his voice, this was my favorite segment of the show. Well, yeah, no, my favorite segment of the show. I'll say it. Oh wow,
0: there you go. It, it was great. It really was great. Um, uh, yeah, I just I have nothing. I have nothing but good things to say about it. Um, it, it. You know, except for just Danny Trejo sort of coming into his own as as the episode went on. But even that's not a slam. It's just like I can understand that. So I can understand that. Like a lot of these people who. Come into this show. It can't be. We've talked about this too. It can't be easy to talk to these th- Muppets. No. It can't be easy at first to get into it. So to see him like sort of become more comfortable as it went, I think was very cool to see, and I think he handled it well by I the agree. end. So we're getting into the interlude. Uh, another interlude. The Fozzie pitches. Um, it wasn't until the very end that I feel like these pitches were really. Funny. I, I was happy to see Fozzy, but and I understand the pitches are supposed to be bad, but they to me they were they were just sort of forgettable. They weren't very funny, which I kind of had an issue with. I'm like, I, Fozzy's been around for this long. Like you guys are are, are aping these sort of existing television shows into uh, sort of muppetized Fozzy you know, show pitches. There could have been a little bit more creativity to them. I think. But maybe that's because they were saving it sort of, sort of like that end joke, that sort of punchline to the whole interlude segments, which was the hundred the hundred show pitches in in one email.
1: Yeah, I mean they knocked out a lot in that one. I did read that there was a only forty nine unique titles, um, and the the other fifty one were just repeats of some of the previous ones. But like there are there were some really good ones in that list of one hundred. My favorite one was uh, "Keeping Up with the Crustaceans" and "The Walking Bread." Those are my two favorites.
0: I got a, I got a couple of them here. I got the Pandalorian, which I thought was great. Cash Crab, uh, America's Furriest Home Videos, Snark Tank, Married with Chickens. Oh, the Grown Wars.
1: I, I did like the Grown Wars as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Teen Rolf. I would love to see a Teen Rolf show, actually. That's another one we haven't seen yet, really, is Rolf. Mm-hmm. Waiting for him to yeah, show saving up. saving him up. Yeah. And I wonder if that's because of the lack of music too. Like that's such a big part of Rolf. Um I'm wondering if maybe they just don't have anything for him to do because there's not as much music going on in the show, which is still a big problem. We really didn't, we didn't get music in this one either. It's it's kind of it's bothering me a little bit. I want to see some songs. Such a big part of the Muppets are the songs. Where are they? Yeah,
1: it is it is interesting that there's not really anything related like the only real musical character we got is Kermit. And, you know, or Janice, I guess, but she was outside of the context of yeah. of the band. So, yeah, I, I would like to see an incorporation of music because you're right. That, that That is a thing uh, that the Muppets are, are certainly uh, want to do is is to incorporate songs and music. And they have a whole band like they have an official band and we haven't seen any of them except Janice in a fashion segment. So, you yeah, know, I, I, I hope as we move forward, they will begin to incorporate uh, more of the musicians. But... Prior to the third segment, one of my other favorite parts of the show was uh, Kermit and Joe the Legal Weasel. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Joe the Legal Weasel is a relatively new Muppet. He's only been around for like a couple of years. I think he debuted at some point last year for the purpose of Muppets Now, where like we first saw like a press release for the show uh, and Joe had redacted a bunch of the sections of the letter until uh, the, the black marker notation said redacted until I say so. So Joe the Legal Weasel certainly drives it. He had a little briefcase. I thought he was cute as hell. Loved him.
0: He really is. Yeah, I like I like this. I like Joe the Weasel so far. Um, his voice is a little strange for for that kind of Muppet, but voice. I appreciate it. And I, I get it though. I mean, it's supposed to be like a commanding voice. He's a lawyer. Yeah, that's so. uh,
1: Peter Lin's, uh voice of Walter, among other Muppets, is uh, is the performer behind Joe the Legal Weasel
0: is it really i didn't know that
1: but we needed uh, a legal disclaimer prior to segment three the muppet labs field test um not the first appearance of beaker and honeydew um because we did see them in the rupaul segment during up close and personal kind of in the background but this is the the first real appearance of them running their own segment uh and we had a new a new muppet beaker Kind of, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> sort uh, of. Joaquin Honeydew uh, falling in love with his virtual assistant, uh, Beekar, who Beekar, uh, he couldn't take it, man. He was going crazy. And so they were doing thermodynamics and learning uh, the difference between melting and burning. Uh, they were testing out what just regular objects would translate from or, you know, would, would, when introduced to, to heat uh, would melt or burn. And ultimately, Beekar uh, met her, her untimely demise. It was
0: a great segment. Uh, I really loved the competition between Beaker, Beaker, and Beaker. Uh, I sort of loved that it was building to this moment. It was building to this moment that we eventually see him just like like lighter on fire. Um, I it's the whole segment. I mean, I really don't have much to say about it. But other than the fact that it was just really well done, my, my- it was kind of cool to see. It's cool to see Beaker and uh, Honeydew have their own segment at all. Uh, like, I, I was I was really hoping it would be, like, a MythBuster style thing, but I still am very happy with what we got. My get. favorite
1: part of the segment was Beaker just devolving into complete insanity as he <laughs> placed Beaker onto the, the table to be burned, and we just saw that thousand-yard stare as he hit the red button to, to burn her <laughs> to death. And then as the flames were just erupting around Beaker, just to see Beaker just, like, kind of fading in between the, the flames was... Honestly, honestly scary. I loved how she kept calling him Beaker 1.0. Yeah. (laughs) And actually, I I, I really liked the... As they were discussing um, kind of the science behind thermodynamics, they had these animated, like, drawing things. And so they had, like... Oh, the chalkboard. Yeah, Yeah, like this this animated chalkboard situation where they had, like, an animated beaker. They even had uh, Gonzo... As Sir Benjamin Thompson conveying the science of thermodynamics, so it was cool. Like I, I enjoyed that style of animation, kind of thrown in there. It was very like Bill Nye or like an uh, educational video you would have seen in school regarding gravity or or something in science class. So I I, I enjoyed the interaction between Beaker and Beak R, and ultimately Beaker just just going full arson and uh, and committing murder and. <laughs> Uh, Beekar's last words: were, you can't get rid of me, I live in the cloud." Yeah, that was it. Was so creepy to hear. <laughs> so I think that. we'll see. <laughs> I think so we weird. may see a uh, a repeated appearance in the future. Oh, I,
0: I would love that if it if it just if Muppet Field Test slowly became like like this war between Beaker and Beekar, like showing up in different forms. I think that would be really really interesting. It is weird to think about. Like, yeah, let's say Beekar is a
1: Muppet. I mean, we just saw a Muppet kill another Muppet. Yeah, we saw Muppet, <laughs> Muppet side. I don't know. Joe the Legal Weasel's got his hands full. He's got to get Beaker acquitted now. <laughs> I just hope, even if we don't see the physical body <laughs> of of Beaker, uh, Beaker again, I need Beaker to just be the voice inside Beaker's head as he just slowly devolves into insanity, like hearing her everywhere he goes.
0: Just it would be good. I would love to see like an American crime story, like the remember the OJ one. <laughs> it's an American crime story with Beaker. Cuba
1: Gooding Jr. playing Beaker yeah so final segment another repeated segment lifestyle with miss piggy
0: yeah this second one now and i'm having a hard time coming up with things to say about it this one was not as i felt this one was not as good as the other ones as, as the last one i should say i think what it is is it it doesn't really lead to any sort of like major punchline i guess i mean you know like the pepe one i really can't say did either this one feels like little segments that are, are light comedy, but they don't they don't pay off. Like the, with with the Muppet field test, for example, we see Beaker and Beaker sort of escalating throughout these little things that end with Beaker lighting Beaker on fire. Uh, there was a there was an end point to that punchline, essentially, you know. But this one felt like very light comedy in in segments that I felt like weren't all that funny. I don't know how you felt. In regards to that though
1: I uh this uh, you're right I look I'm I've never been the biggest piggy guy um like the whole piggy shtick for me is just not it doesn't it doesn't reach me in that way so like to have I mean obviously she's a star the star of the show depending on who you ask but I don't need Heavy Miss Piggy content. It's just not something I need. But I did this. This segment did have a, a couple of my uh, favorite moments. Number one, Bobo. We got Bobo, even if for just a moment, uh, Bobo the bear showed up. But my favorite moments of of this segment were Yolanda and Bubba the Rat during the like healthy living. Segment where Linda Cardellini came back and she was hanging out with Joe the Penguin, uh, and then we, we had uh, Bubba and Yolanda Rat uh, in their bubble, and and I guess Bubba and Linda Cardellini went to high school together, and uh, that was funny. I, I there, that. there was a there was a segment or there was a portion of that segment where they asked like, what do you eat? What are some good snacks uh, to help you uh, sort of not like not feel super full or whatever? It's a healthy snack to eat and. Linda Cardellini's like, oh, I love fruit. And Joe the Penguin's like, yeah, yeah, fruit. And then Bubba the, the Bubba the Rat goes, Big ZD, Big ZD. And uh, Calzones, I like Calzones as well. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, he was like, he's just such like a New York, just like Brooklyn dude who's like in this healthy living segment with his wife beater on. And like, he's, you know, he's just beat up. Like, clearly not who you would go to for healthy living, as far as Big I can time. tell. But for Him to just be pitching the carbiest meals during the healthy living segment. I love his voice. I, I just I need more Bubba the Rat. I know he's been around, I think he was in like Muppets in Space uh, in the past, and he's just kind of bounced around. But uh, I need more Bubba the Rat in my life because uh, his voice, just talking about anything, especially Big ZD and Calzone's, great A, top notch. But no, I, I think that the, the Tay Diggs hot yoga segment was sort of like toss it I don't need it like I it's the try it with Tay Diggs thing so I'm, I'm assuming we're going to see this at least a couple of more times um but I, I I don't know it just uh going
0: back to Yolanda and Bubba for a second there was a at the very tail end of that I don't know uh, maybe I missed what happened but there was something like fell in the background and it didn't exactly feel I mean I know it's unscripted anyway but it felt it felt like that wasn't planned there was a moment where like a box fell, or some part of the background like fell apart, or something like that, and then they both turn around, and then I think it's Bubba who goes, "Cats," you know, yeah. like I it was, I, I appreciated the, the improv of that moment. If it was it's unscripted, man, uh, it, yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, that's it does speak to the uh, the kind of roll with it punches that all the all the all the Muppets kind of can do. They can carry. It's a it's a real impressive it's a real impressive thing to watch them sort of react to things going on around them in such a way that. One, keeps them in character at all, which would be very hard to do, I think, when you're holding a puppet and something unexpected happens. But two, just being able to make it funny. You know, it's it's one thing to being able to react in a way that that is, I guess, appropriate or, like, makes sense, but to actually make it, like, laugh out loud funny is a, an amazing thing unto itself, and it really speaks to the talent of these people. Uh, but yeah, I mean the hot yoga segment. Yeah, absolutely. I can just not. I can. I don't have to watch Miss Piggy and Diggs do hot yoga. Like he, he is good with with the Muppets. So was Linda Cardellini. I, I think all of them are great. I really think the high school thing with Linda Cardellini and uh, and and Bubba was awesome. Yeah. I thought that was my favorite part of the segment. I think was just that like you still doing that thing where you jump up in the air and land and do a split. Like it was it was really really good. She rolled with yeah, it well. It if that wasn't scripted yeah the cardellini yeah but I, overall i just the segment was very forgettable to me i mean it wasn't nearly I, the, the first one i liked a lot more with uh, margaret doing the slapping and stuff that that one at least that one just seems so much more well put together than this one yeah no this one felt a little lazy
1: i agree i i, I didn't need it. it it was i don't know yeah she's doing yoga she can't do yoga because it's hot she falls down great corpse pose Wonderful, like I, you know, I, no disrespect to those who wrote it and performed it, obviously, but yeah, no, not a fan. Pass. Could have cut it.
0: That's how I felt as well.
1: Um, but yeah, so I, in the end of the, at the end of the
0: episode, we get just a little bit more of uh, Fozzie and Scooter, which w- I think was my favorite part of the interlude, actually, all the interlude segments, which was Fozzie showing up to Scooter's house. Oh, yeah, at the doorbell with the door cam. That was super funny. I I, I did like that. I did. Uh, that was. That was kind of a cool payoff that I didn't, I totally forgot about it until this, this moment that he even showed up outside of his house. But, uh, and then doing like jokes, like pitching a show, like just involving the door, what was it, the deaf comedy door jam yeah. or something like yeah. that? That, it, that was funny. That was really well done. And, uh, just you could, it, I just love how tired of it Scooter is. Scooter is so done with these people. It wouldn't shock me to see Scooter like quit by the end of
1: the season. Well, you talked about, um, in the the first episode, the icons on his uh, on his desktop, one of the icons on Scooter's desktop is titled raise request. And uh, I think he needs it. Honestly, again, he's putting this whole thing together seemingly all by himself, uh, at least again, in the post production sort of world. Uh, So yeah, give Scooter that raise. He's working hard. And if he has Fozzie trespassing on his private property, can we get him a security guard or something?
0: Absolutely. It's very, it's very weird that the Muppets can just show up on his doorstep and just, you know, cause these problems. But uh, yeah, I mean, he absolutely needs a raise. Scooter needs, uh, yeah, a vacation, like you said, stock options, 401k plan. Do you think the Muppets have a 401k? Oh, they have
1: health insurance. I mean, they have, like, they clearly have a lawyer on retainer. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, yeah, they've got health insurance and they deserve it. Because they put themselves Susan. Well, can like in like,
0: the Screen Actors Guild like, What if they're all like Screen Actors Guild oh, they
1: They're all SAG people. members I mean maybe Who knows yeah. They're all Disney employees So they've,
0: I'm, sure they, maybe Disney. I'm sure they have Good benefits there at Disney I don't know how we got into this But <laughs> it's Disgusting So that. I mean Ultimately that was Mupp- That's Muppets Now Season 1 episode 2 What was the episode called Fever Pitch Fever Pitch Yeah, I I liked it. I mean, to me, it didn't stand out as much. I think the RuPaul segment of episode one really pushed episode one, like, over for me, over this. I would say this might be a... There were a couple standout segments of this episode that made it great on its own. I still think the show is... It definitely has room for improvement. I mean, we definitely need more songs. There's definitely, like a couple Muppets I'm surprised haven't made an appearance yet like like Rolf um and the ones that have I feel like haven't been showcased enough um also was Kermit even in this episode am I forgetting no he was not he wasn't that's so strange to me
1: I mean he he was in what two of the segments in episode one and then he had all those moments with Scooter so we got we got Kermit in the uh we well we get him in the open when he says, "Ladies and gentlemen, this is Muppets now." But aside from that, um, oh, we did get him
0: again though. Uh, kind of, we got him when Fozzie talks about it. He
1: says that. Um, oh, and we got him during the legal interlude with Joe. The Joe the legal Weasel. Oh, that's true. Yeah, so yeah, we got him. During we got that. him, so we got we got a him in a car in car a comment, purely professional capacity. No no BS yeah. today with Kermit.
0: Executive producer
1: Kermit the Frog. Maybe.
0: I don't know. It's 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 strange to me that th- people like Gonzo and stuff like that don't have their own segments yet. But we're getting certain other Muppets that have these sort of like strange segments. But I do appreciate them trying. Like I said in the last one too, I do appreciate them trying to push the 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 lesser not lesser but the 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 Muppets that don't get the most screen time uh, as opposed to people like Fozzie and Gonzo. I'm just surprised that we're not getting. A little bit more to the gonzo and Fozzie stuff as well sure
1: maybe we'll get there <laughs> however looking at the uh the uh, trailer for uh season one episode three you might be disappointed
0: oh am i, I? just gonna say it
1: great we'll see though
0: we'll find out next time so again that was muppets now season one episode two fever pitch thank you everybody for listening
1: see you next time Bye bye